Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential. Hi, Mike. Hi, Angie. We have to do... This is a, a story that really involves two characters. So we have to do the oh. intro that you like to do where okay. we do the characters. So we'll start we'll start from scratch then. We'll get rid of that. No, part. no, no, no. I'm leaving all this in. Oh God, <laughs> why do you do this? Because it's fun to let people know how the sausage is made, which sausage will be coming up in this story. Um mm. you should be Alexis St. Martin for this. Should I? Yeah, Alexis Saint Martin. He was French Canadian. <laughs> Get your French Canadian accent. Oh, merci beaucoup. Croissants. Oh God! All right. Hi, I'm Alexis Saint Martin. Oh, that's not, I do not understand. No, <laughs> I'm not doing a French accent. No, stop. Je m'appelle Elise. Je m'appelle Alexis Saint Martin. I can't stand you. Oh no. Je m'appelle. Alexis St. Martin. And I'm, I'm Buffalo Bill. Um, <laughs> um, put the lotion back in the basket. I, I'm Bill Beaumont. Mm, mm. I got some real strange tendencies. Uh, he helped me get this uh, van back in. He helped me get this fellow's lung back in his body care oh my god oh. i was gonna say they didn't have vans back then so that nope. wouldn't have happened but let's kick the intro music and break into this episode <laughs> my story needs to be told <laughs> all right so <sighs> This definitely needs to be, like, there has to be a warning for this one. Parents, you're definitely going to want to listen to this one and most likely, probably not at all, share this with your children. Uh, I mean, it's all medical. Are you going to talk like that through the whole thing? I I hope not. (laughs) Jesus, I hope not, too. So if you live in Michigan, there's no way you haven't heard of Beaumont Hospital, but... Chances are you might not know the story of Dr. William Beaumont, who the hospital is named after. In this episode of Grey Lakes Confidential, we're going to dive deep into the incident that made Dr. Beaumont the father of gastric physiology. It's definitely a story that sounds like the plot of an Eli Roth horror movie. Which is um, why I thought you would enjoy it. Because well, and yes, horror movies. I, I love Eli Roth and I love horror movies, but knowing that what we're about to get into is all true mm-hmm. like really gives me the heebie-jeebies i bounce these episodes like the this one and the mad anthony wayne story off of my co-workers and i have it, it just to see like 
oh, do I need to spice this up more and get more weird facts? And um, I can always tell I've done a good job when one of my coworkers says, I'm going to fact check this. And <laughs> because she's like, this doesn't seem plausible. And then she fact checked this and uh, she's like, oh, yep. OK, yeah, he's telling the <laughs> truth, everyone. Uh, and it is crazy because this is some like Joseph Mengele Nazi concentration camp human centipede stuff. This story is so upsetting. It's going to make you wonder why the Beaumont hospital system couldn't have found literally any other doctor. Like you could get the doctor when they say like nine out of 10 doctors recommend Advil for headaches. <laughs> you could get the one holdout who they're like, why don't you ever recommend anything that's going to help people in name a hospital after him? And you would probably be better off. What about a better plan? For sure. Yes. Didn't you text me the other day and tell me that um, Allison like made you stop t- telling her about the oh, story? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I will tell you, and unless you've already guessed which part, uh, I will tell you when we get to that part, which part it was. I have not guessed it. And okay. I've read this two or three times now. And each time it makes my stomach just a little queasy. So well, I'll just tell you. Taste test. Okay, there we go. Gotcha. All right. So William Beaumont was born in 1785 in Connecticut. His story starts very similar to the story of Matt Anthony Wayne, who we covered on the podcast a few episodes ago. Beaumont was the son of a wealthy farmer, but had no interest in keeping up with the family business. When he was in his 20s, he moved to he moved to Vermont to, quote, read for a doctor. Yep. Reading for a doctor is it's sort of like you're reading medical texts, but with the supervision of a doctor who will explain some of the stuff for you. It's like a pre-internship. Being a doctor back then was just sort of like being a skilled tradesman. It wasn't really any different than being a blacksmith or, you know, a carpenter or any other sort of like skilled laborer. Like, Which is insane to think about. But I mean, right. we all had to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... I believe like sometimes like your pharmacist or your barber would also do a little bit of light doctoring for you, Yes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so in 1812, the third medical society of the state of Vermont said Beaumont was clear to start an apprenticeship to a doctor. He got a lot of experience as an assistant army surgeon during the war of 1812. And which to me sounds like he did all of his book reports. So it's like, okay, <laughs> you can start operating on people. <laughs> Uh, but an assistant surgeon during wartime basically just meant sawing off a lot of parts. You know, like if someone came in and was like, you know, I got fat, uh, frostbite. They're like, oh, all right, I'm going to saw off your foot. <laughs> it's like fast food doctoring. It's like, ah, I got a splinter in my finger when I was I'm going to saw off your finger. You can tattoo love hat on it. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So after <laughs> so after the war, Beaumont started his own private practice. Like we covered during Matt Anthony Wayne episode, sometimes the transition from military life to civilian life doesn't go so well. Yeah, no, it, it definitely didn't for him. Within a couple of years, he re-enlisted in the army and he was stationed at Fort Mackinac on Mackinac Island. And I, I was kind of surprised some of my coworkers didn't know there was a Fort Mackinac. They're like, where's that? I was like, it's on <gasps> Mac. Like, it's the high point of Mackinac. I, what? Like, yeah, like, it's the high ground. How do you not, 
you know, we went there. I remember going there when I was a kid on a field trip for school. Wow. That's a well, OK, you lived further. But I, I lived in Michi- northern yeah. Michigan, so it yeah. made sense. But yeah, I, I remember going there when I was very young. In fairness to my coworkers, though, it it is a weird fort because a lot of the um, defense of it is the fact that it is on high ground on an island. So it is already kind of like naturally fortified. Uh, but Beaumont had a real hard time because it is northern Michigan and it is an open roof fort. So yeah. a lot of the barracks were just like, you know, out, tents out on that main ground area. So there was yep. a lot of frostbite because it does get very, you know, snowy up there with all the lake effect snow and everything yep. like that. So, yeah. So Fort Mackinac was where he meets Alexis St. Martin, who was a 19-year-old furrier from Montreal who worked for the American Fur Company on Mackinac Island. A furrier is a person who prepares or deals in furs. This is not the same thing as a furry. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he he may have been furrier than most. Uh, he was a big old burly boy. He was a French-Canadian burly boy. Because uh, specific the kind of furry he was he was a voyageur what and, uh, what what accent is that uh french canadian mm, okay. mm-hmm. merci mm-hmm. beaucoup <laughs> yeah, he is a voyageur uh which meant he's he's the guy who paddled the canoes and once they were loaded up with all the furs they could weigh like four tons and wow. on yes, a canoe on a canoe yeah i mean these are giant canoes they have to be i guess yeah, yeah. and uh you know he's not just doing the, you know, rough waters of the Great Lakes and everything like that. Like, you know, these are the waters that, you know, took down the Edmund Fitzgerald, you know, but in the summer, the waters aren't as rough, but you never know with like, you know, storms coming in and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But he's also going against like rapids, um, you know, rivers and he's, you know, going against waterfalls and you know what they say about waterfalls. Oh, you don't go chasing them. I can't stand you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So his part of trapping was actually doing the real heavy work. It was physically demanding and he was doing all this, even though he was basically a kid, like he wasn't even 20 years old yet. Despite the fact that the voyageurs did all the hard work, they weren't respected by the other furriers like they called them mangers de lard which translates into pork eaters and that was used as like a derogatory term they're like you know uh, load up the canoe for the manger de lard <laughs> you big stupid boy merci beaucoup croissant it was a super is, dangerous is, life wait 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 stop merci beaucoup croissant mm-hmm. baguette <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> uh-huh. And because these weren't like super educated kids, a lot of them didn't know how to swim even. So like the number one cause of death for them was drowning. Jesus. That's no. insane. Yeah. So so now we're on June 6th, 1822. Which is two days after my fifth birthday. <laughs> <I'm just bored. laughs> June 4th, 1819. June 6th, 1822, Alexis was waiting in the American Fur Company store on Market Street on Mackinac Island with co-workers, one of whom was holding a shotgun. That shotgun, unfortunately, was aimed right at Alexis when it went off and blew a giant hole in his abdomen. He's like, Zutalos! 
Like everyone was sure he was a goner. Like his lung was literally hanging out of his body. They called Beaumont to see what he could do, but no one thought that there was any way St. Martin was going to make it. He was shot in the gut from point blank range. Beaumont thought St. Martin's stomach was hanging out of the hole in his body too, but thought there's no way that's possible until he looked inside and saw the sausages St. Martin ate for breakfast that day. Beaumont was positive St. Martin would be dead soon. Mm -hmm. Now we know how the sausage was made and how the sausage is digested. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did survive, though, because he was a great big birdie boy from Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somehow. That's insane. So Beaumont spent weeks picking pieces of rib, buckshot, and burnt clothing from St. Martin's open wound, and it actually started to heal. But the stomach healed open, so it was a fistula. Right. A fistula is medically an abnormal connection between two body parts. In this case, St. Martin's fistula was an abnormal connection between his insides and his outside. He had a permanently open wound. Like literally St. Martin could like eat something. And it was like the, like a cartoon where like, you know, he'd put something in his mouth and it would just like plop out. Um <laughs> You know, like that old joke, like a skeleton walks into a bar and says, bartender, I'll have a shot of whiskey and a mop. Like um, he, he literally has to have a cork in his side to keep food in. Like, I'm not making that part up. Like um, it is. Yeah. How did he eat? Through his butt. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Beaumont had to feed St. Martin rectally via nutrient enemas and science are you gonna throw up not yet (laughs) okay science wasn't like it was today like basically they're just grinding up protein and mixing it with liquid to make like venison smoothies and shooting it up there with a turkey baster and that was like a practice that had been going on for like over a thousand years but like in the time between then and now like the last 201 years we've discovered that your body doesn't actually absorb nutrients that way uh you can't just you you don't have a butt mouth it nope you you don't you for a brief second i was gonna say that could go on a t-shirt but probably not for this show nope no i have a lot of thoughts and feelings about the 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 about the feeding um, because working in healthcare, um, I have had to do a lot of tube feedings with patients. Right. And, and I've had to do a lot IVs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's so much involved in, um, you know, like some patients, they just need pureed food. And so that's fairly simple. You puree everything in a blender and you feed it to them by mouth still super gross um especially for somebody like me who is very particular about like food being separated on a plate and you literally throw everything in a blender and you mix it all together and whatever um but then like tube feedings and stuff um obviously we don't puree food and then put it in a tube feed you get cans of you know pre-mixed nutrients but it stinks everything stinks right like 
first of all, it's an open wound. Even if there's a tube in it, it's an open wound. Yeah, yeah. And if those aren't cared for properly, they will start to smell funny. Um, the nutrients in the can that you're pouring down the tube feed smells terrible. Um, yeah. It's like a weird baby formula. Ugh, it's super, super gross. So to like think about what he had to like how he had to make this work. First of all, he didn't have a blender. Right. Like he literally was. Oh God. Ugh. Do you think hey, he baby hey, Alexis, birthed it? Uh, I was just going to say. Do you hey, think Alexis, he baby bird it? Stand on your head. I'm going to baby bird into your. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you do the splits? I'm going to. I'm chewing up. I'm, I'm, oh God. I'm chewing this up. Just. Oh. And like, oh, no. Okay. We're not not going there. Uh, St. Martin, despite being as healed as possible, would never be physically able to return to the very strenuous work at the American Fur Company. And the U.S. government didn't want to deal with this, so they ordered St. Martin to be shipped back to Montreal. William Beaumont thought there was no way St. Martin would survive that trip. So he was a good him- guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he offered him a position as his handyman in exchange for ongoing medical treatment. Yeah, but there's just one catch. Oh, God. Yeah. Beaumont wanted to start doing experiments on St. Martin's side hole. Should I even ask? Yeah, uh, well, that's what the episode's <laughs> about. Uh, you don't become the father of gastric physiology without, uh, you know, uh, just do it, just do yeah. it, just go, you rip the band aid, you don't make an omelet without uh, <laughs> dipping some eggs in a side hole. Uh, so Beaumont discovered that he could put a piece of meat on a string and dip it down into uh, the stomach from the side hole and see how much the stomach digested it. Uh, and back then, this was before doctors really knew how food was digested. There were two schools of thought. Some thought that stomach would actually like kind of grind it up. And others thought that there must be some sort of like juices or enzymes or acids in the stomach that helped break down food. But no one knew for sure. Until now. Yep. Until now. Uh, Beaumont was able to prove once and for all that the stomach was full of juices that broke down food by dipping food into St. Martin's tummy and pulling it out after different periods of time. And he'd do things to like, see if it was like, if the temperature outside made food digest inside differently. Um, he'd even see if a person's mood affected how, uh, they digested food, which I don't see how he could ever put Alexis St. Martin in a good mood. Like the guy seems like he had to have been miserable all of the time. Um, but like one day, like he would be really nice to Alexis and be like, Hey, Alexis, you're looking really good today. <laughs> I like your new haircut. Hey, let me, let me put this chicken leg inside your, Oh, that's a good boy. Yeah. I like maple syrup and hockey. This is making me so uncomfortable. And then the next day he would just be like, you're, you're a bad boy. I don't like your face. (laughs) Okay. Let me pull the chicken leg out. So he was like an abusive boyfriend. Yes. Yes. You have no idea. Yes. (laughs) 
And this poor guy became Beaumont's guinea pig. Like literally, yes. Um, and if all of this isn't Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill enough for you, in addition to yo-yoing food on a string, Buffalo Bill Beaumont would also <laughs> stick things in like spoons. Oh, just God. To be like, hey, I want to see what your stomach acid does to this metal spoon. Oh, all right, nothing. And uh, like he just wanted to see how stomach acid would affect other things. And this is the part that Allison tapped out on. Um, he was like, like you said, an open wound is going to smell weird. And he's like, oh, oh, that, that smells really acidic. Uh, I wonder what it tastes like. He licked his side hole. He's like, God. come here, lift up your shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. He licked his open side hole. Stop saying it. He would even eat some of the food oh, that God. he put in and just be like, I wonder if the digestive process makes this taste any oh. different. Oh. Nope, I I still don't like mushrooms. Like it was, <laughs> ugh. Move on, please. Okay. Move on. Here's the real kicker: Alexis Saint Martin didn't speak English, and William Beaumont didn't speak French. So Alexis <laughs> Saint Martin never fully understood what was going on most of the time. Like he initially signed a contract, like signing his life away for 10 years, but he doesn't know what he signed. He was illiterate. And like, can you imagine the job of the translator where he's like, uh, you know, hey, tell him I want to lick his side hole. And the translator is like, wait, excuse me. I don't think I, um, what? Like, um, uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to translate that. Get a new translator. It's so bad. I know. It was not a good relationship. You're right. It He is like a bad boyfriend. Like eventually St. Martin got so fed up with being tinkered around with by Beaumont that he just moved back home. Like he broke up with them basically. <laughs> and he got married and started a family, but he still found it hard to work because, you know, he's he's been a laborer. Like he's just a big guy who in his prime was doing this hard manual labor and he didn't have an education and because of his stomach issues now and the way that he wasn't really digesting food right his physique was not what it used to be so he just couldn't do the kind of work he kind of banked on doing for as long as his life was going to be right so during this time after St. Martin bailed uh right. beaumont would write him letters constantly begging him to come back to continue their work you know i still love you baby right come on back <laughs> right. i can change i i don't have to put eggs in there anymore come on and every you know single I hurt time you i love you and every single time saint martin would return it, which makes you wonder what could beaumont still have to learn yeah, well, there was a lot to learn about the digestive system from his experience experiments. He learned the vegetables digest slower than proteins. The the stomach churns in order to help with the digestive process. But that's like saying that the Nazi doctors are excusable because, you know, well, they did learn a lot about frostbite from experimenting on, you know, Jewish concentration camp victims. Like, no, no, that's... And we're not naming hospitals after them, you know? Right. right. Ugh. 
Yeah. So Alexis St. Martin probably felt the same way. He and Beaumont did not have a friendly relationship at all. Martin thought Beaumont was a stuck-up snob with no compassion, and Beaumont thought Martin was just a big, dumb, alcoholic trapper. He referred to St. Martin in his medical papers as the villain or the drunkard. He told St. Martin he was worthless, except for what his stomach could do for science. These experiments were often extremely painful, too. Beaumont would string different food into St. Martin's stomach with plans to examine the, the food after one, two, three, four, and five hours, but sometimes St. Martin would tap out and say it was hurting too much. Sometimes St. Martin would hold out and not return to Beaumont right away unless like he would tell Beaumont to pay him in advance. And Beaumont was like, no, no way, dude. You're just going to use it to get drunk. I, I don't trust you. Come here. Let me toss another chicken leg in your side hole. I'll, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger I put in your side hole today. <laughs> um, so St. Martin just stopped going like it wasn't worth the pain. And he had a family now. It just wasn't worth the time away from his family. Well, in 1829, Beaumont was stationed at Fort Crawford in Wisconsin. He was supposed to just be passing through, but ended up getting stuck there for four years. While he was there, he gets in touch with the American Fur Company and asks if they can track down St. Martin again and hire him to work at the fort. So St. Martin and his family show up at the fort and... Surprise! (laughs) How's our hole, Alexis? Oh, I see you got a wife. And she's like, Alexis, who is this man? Why is he looking at you so creepily? He looks like Vincent D'Onofrio in Full Metal Jacket. And Beaumont's just like, oh, you must be Mrs. Villain. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was awful. Can you imagine, like, oh, finally, the American Fur Company is going to give me some work. Maybe I can uh, inventory uh, beaver pelts in the warehouse and everything. Uh, honey, I think our life is turning around. <laughs> Let me open up the gate of this Fort Crawford and oh no, Zutalors! <laughs> Croissants! <laughs> the St. Martin family is stuck there for two years while Beaumont continues another round of experiments. The relationship between Beaumont and St. Martin still wasn't any better, and St. Martin's wife was around now. She insisted they all go back home to Montreal and they left. Beaumont, of course, kept contacting Alexis, telling him he was that he embarrassed him by leaving during their experiments and his meddling wife ruined everything. He ordered St. Martin back, but told him he couldn't bring his wife ever again. You leave her at home. (laughs) (laughs) Alexis was poor and had a family to take care of, so he returned alone to Beaumont. After one final blowout, St. Martin left for good. Beaumont realized St. Martin was never coming back, so he published Experiments and Observations on the Gastric Juice and the Physiology of Digestion. Which sounds like a song by the band Carcass. <laughs> like, <it is> just... <laughs> Beaumont moved to St. Louis and began a private medical practice and taught as a professor at the St. Louis School of Medicine. One of his close friends was Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Right. <laughs> as if he wasn't a bad enough guy. Oh. <laughs> a little bit of Civil War history. Robert E. Lee, uh, close personal friend to William Beaumont, (laughs) who the Beaumont hospitals are named after. And keep in mind, he wasn't born in Michigan. 
like he he didn't have his private practice in Michigan. He was just stationed on Mackinac Island for a handful of years where he tortured a man who didn't speak English. <laughs> he tortured an immigrant and the Beaumont hospital system said, that's who we want as our corporate mascot. So Robert E. Lee was a notoriously bad guy. Uh, who was especially cruel to slaves, but he would claim to be like, no, no, I, I, I respect slaves, but if they run away, I'm going to beat them in a way that makes my men say, sir, we can't beat slaves like this. And I'll be like, then I'll do it myself and I will beat the women and I will beat the children. And I will like he was a monster like and a close personal friend of William Beaumont of Beaumont Hospital fame. <laughs> So Beaumont was accused by his peers of purposely not allowing St. Martin's Hole to close so he could do his experiments. At yeah, like that point, isn't just like us looking back on it right. today. Like even back then, they were just like, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is kind of weird, Bill. Yeah, a little, little strange, buddy. Yeah. Um, at one point, a newspaper publisher was bludgeoned on the head by a politician and Beaumont was called in to do surgery. Which the that's publisher- some real like I I know you like to be apolitical, but that's some Donald Trump level like <laughs> poor sportsmanship. Yeah. Like a yeah. newspaper wrote a bad article about a politician, and the politician went and found the newspaper publisher's house and beat him over the head with like a bat or something, and left him for dead. Yeah, no, literally those same things are happening right now. Like I watched the Sunday morning news this morning and they're talking about um, what is it called? Swatting. OK, yeah, I don't know so what that is. It's very it, it feels very um, similar to this where um, the different judges and different people that were um, that are associated with like the court case with Donald Trump and everything like these these different um uh, city or county or state officials, different judges, etc. Um, they're having people. People are calling saying that there's some sort of crazy emergency at the home. Like, um, oh, okay. like so and so. There were shots fired at this home, and so the whole SWAT team shows up only to find that there's nothing happening there, um, and it causes chaos. And this feels very similar to that. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so the publisher died and the politician went on trial for murder. The defense argued that Beaumont was actually responsible for the publisher's death because he drilled a hole in the doctor's head just so he could look around, just like he had with St. Martin. The politician was found not guilty. Like, that is so crazy. Like, you have a reputation of, hey, thank you for figuring out how food is digested. But, man, you went about it in such a weird way (laughs) that it's going to get someone off for murder. Yeah, they're not saying this politician didn't hit the publisher in the head. They're just like, yeah, but, you know, (laughs) right. Right. Everyone in the jury's like, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, in 1853, Dr. William Beaumont slipped on ice, hit his head, and died. Slipped on karma. <laughs> <laughs> he was 68 years old. In the end of St. Martin's life, he unfortunately took the only job he could get, which was a sideshow freak. 
but he proved to be a better man than Beaumont. When he found out that Beaumont had died, he visited Beaumont's family and paid them his respect. He even began a long-distance friendship with Beaumont's son. Alexis St. Martin lived to be 78 years old before dying in 1880. Because of the often cruel and painful experiments William Beaumont did on St. Martin, his family developed a huge distrust of doctors. So in order to keep any doctors from trying to steal Alexis's body after he died, the family waited until it started to decompose before burying him. They waited so long, in fact, they had to have his funeral with his body outside of the church because it stunk so bad. Like, how messed up is that? Like, we don't want doctors to grave rob our dad. <clears throat> yeah. So we just have to let him rot long enough that people won't want to do that. Um, but in Great Lakes Confidential Tradition, we can't cover a Michigan namesake without a little bit of grave desecration. <laughs> in true horror movie sequel fashion, the rotting corpse of Alexis St. Martin wasn't going to stop Sir William Osler, one of the big four founding professors of the John Hopkins University. Uh, and I don't know what it is with these evil Dr. Billies. Like, <laughs> if your name is Dr. Bill, chances are there's something wrong with you. Uh, Osler tried to steal St. Martin's stomach oh. to keep as a trophy in an army museum against the family's wishes. So did he? No, luckily, no, <laughs> because the family, when they found out that Osler was like poking around, like, where, where are you guys thinking about burying him? You know, his, <laughs> his stomach would make a really good trophy. It belongs oh, in a museum, <laughs> as they say in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, St. Martin's family had to bury him in an unmarked grave. But Osler was a huge Beaumont stand. Like he wrote about the day Alexis St. Martin was shot in like just a super creepy, almost romantic way. This is how his essay, The Backwoods Physiologist on Beaumont's work begins. He's like, come with me for a few moments on a lovely June day in 1822 to what then far off northern wilds on an island of Michilimamac where the waters of Lake Michigan and Lake Huron unite, where stands Fort Mackinac, rich in memories of Indian and voyageur, one of the four most important posts on the upper lakes in the days when Rose and Fleur de Lis strove for the mastery of the Western world. I love William Beaumont. I want him tattooed on my heart. This is the day he became the greatest man. I may have strayed from the text. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're you're yeah. off. He basically wrote a love poem about this day St. Martin was shot and Beaumont's work began. And that makes sense because he called that day a day that man and opportunity met. Like he dehumaned St. Martin to the point that he's not even human to him. He's just opportunity. Yeah. Which is slightly better than calling him the villain. <laughs> slightly better. Yeah. Like he would like Beaumont would write like I had to stop doing my work because the villain absconded back to Montreal with his wife. Like it was just <laughs> ugh. 
1962, Montreal wanted to recognize St. Martin's contribution to science and his sacrifice, and his family finally allowed them to put a plaque on the wall of a church near St. Martin's grave honoring that sacrifice. Like Montreal was like, hey, listen, we know you want to keep his grave private. We don't want to know where it is. That's fine. You can keep it a secret. But we need to honor the sacrifice that he yeah. made. Can we please put a plaque up honoring him? And uh, the American Fur Company on Market Street on Mackinac Island, where Alexis St. Martin was shot, is still there. And you can visit it today and probably get some fudge on either side of it at a fudge shop. <laughs> yep. Get yourself a Davy Crockett hat. Stand where Alexis St. Martin's life was forever changed. Whoa. And uh, yeah. So what do you think? Well, from a medical standpoint, makes you want to go to Henry Ford or Trinity, huh? (laughs) Not go to Beaumont. (laughs) Right. Um, Like when you think about all the medical advances in the world, right? It's like like looking at it only as like purely medical, um, like setting aside feelings and all of that stuff. It's like, well. Like, what other options did they have in the 1800s to study stomach acids and digestion, right? They didn't have x-rays. They didn't have MRI machines. They didn't have all of that stuff. So so I can understand how and why something like that would happen. However, from, like, a human standpoint, like, I feel like it could have went with a little... I feel like there could have been a little less torture and morally doing something like this with somebody that you cannot communicate with firsthand seems very sketchy because you don't know if there, if there was a translator involved, you don't know if the translator is translating everything that you're saying verbatim, right? right? Like, so that's a huge problem. So from a moral aspect, I feel like there's, there's some serious issues with that. Um, if you're going to do something like this with somebody like with a, with a, a patient, then you probably need to be able to communicate with that person just between the two of you. So I, I have a really big problem with that from the science standpoint. It's like, well, I mean, like, what else would they have done? Like, there's only so many options at that point in time. I am curious because in England or in Europe, at least, they were also doing experiments at the same time. And they found a lot of Beaumont's findings to be inaccurate to theirs. And I didn't research to see how they went about their research, but it would be interesting to see, you know, what were the alternatives because they were working on an alternative and they wanted uh, doctors in Europe wanted Alexis St. Martin to go over there, but he was like, you know, it's hard enough to get home when I can do it by myself. I can't travel across an ocean by myself. Like he just had so much distrust for doctors that he was like, there's no way. No, I'm not going. Yeah. And I mean, you think about like advances in, and like psychology too, right? Like used to be that they were drilling holes in people's brains to study the brain because they didn't, you know, so that like lobotomies, like, You would never do a lobotomy the way that they did a lobotomy in the 1800s. You wouldn't put an ice pick in somebody's eye 
and move it around to figure out how the brain works now because we have MRI machines. Uh, we have- it seems like you never saw the documentary Frankenhooker. That's exactly <laughs> what the doctor did to himself with a hand drill. But I did <laughs> uh, listen to your um, you made me watch on it. And um, yeah, I can't I believe the- you haven't seen that movie. You I know love that I still, movie. I still yeah. need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, but it's the same thing, right? It's like and if you think about it, people that they were experimenting on for psychology and psychiatry, there's a good chance they didn't, even though they spoke the same language, there's a good chance that they didn't understand what was happening to them either. Right. Right. So I can understand from a, from a sciencey point of view, from a medical point of view, I can kind of understand like, you know, that, I mean, if he didn't do those things, would we, like, where would we be medically now? But when you look through 2024 eyes to what a quote unquote doctor was doing in the 1800s, it's like, what the F? Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it seems insane. I will admit that I'm very biased for this. I don't have a lot of love for the Beaumont hospital system. My dad died after the care that he got from a Beaumont doctor. And, um, when he was at home hospice and they um, uh, were cleaning my dad, they said um, from when he had a catheter that uh, the hospice nurses had never seen a person mutilated that badly. And um, I feel like at Beaumont, they'd be like, yeah, that's what we do. Don't you know who we're (laughs) named after? Don't you know who we are? Yes. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I, uh, to me, my personal take, this is not the opinions of Great Lakes Confidential at all, but my personal feelings are, yeah, this checks out that Beaumont Hospital that um, I don't find to have the utmost care or compassion for human beings uh, would be named after a person who did not have a lot of care or compassion. So um, that part is is definitely i think out of the whole story um i think that's the most troubling part is that you know sure he may have helped with advancements in medicine but in terms of bedside manner not great um and then to but what's interesting is that they've also recently changed their name to corewell health so have they i didn't know that okay it's like did they did they get wind of what was going on? Like, did they, did, did somebody else point out the reason why they, you know, what Bo, what Dr. Beaumont was doing? And they were like, eh, maybe it's time to go ahead and change that name. Well, I mean, Beaumont's story, I first heard about it up in Mackinac Island. Like it's, uh, you know, he's kind of a VIP up there. Like, so you know, crazy. yeah, I, I should research who Trinity Hospital is named after. Apparently this <laughs> father, son and Holy Spirit <laughs> are three pretty cool hombres the book on them the holy bibble it seems like a very dense read though (laughs) i'm gonna try to see if i can find an audio book um the research that i did for this episode were the podcasts sawbones uh the history cache or history cache and the dollop they did say something really funny on the dollop when they pointed out the date june 6th 
1822. They're like, nothing ever good happens in history when you know the exact day that it happened. <laughs> and that's true. Uh, I also uh, looked up uh, writings at the Washington University School of Medicine, St. Louis website, uh, which questions the morals and ethics of Beaumont, even though that's where he taught hmm. uh, the National Institute of Health website, the Mackinac Parks website, which, like I said, does paint this whole thing as more of a collaboration between St. Martin and Beaumont. And of course, uh, Wikipedia was a good place to get sort of like the outline, uh, the broad strokes to. Uh, so does. Well, I, I mean, like I said, they've changed their name to Corwell within the last couple of months. Uh, Which sounds like the name of like an evil guy in like a like sword in the sorcerer or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, I wonder who's Conan the Barbarian going to fight Lord Corwell. <laughs> I wonder if their website ever had anything about uh, Dr. Boma on it. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah. Did it? Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, probably best that they've changed their name. But now the secret's out. Sorry. We have quite a few listeners, Beaumont. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People in Turkey are going to be like, I'm never going there. Right. That's, that's, yeah, that's definitely one of the crazier stories I've ever heard. Thank you for sharing. Oh, no problem. I feel <laughs> like that is, uh, you know, between Matt Anthony Wayne and Buffalo Bill <laughs> Beaumont, I feel like maybe my my niche for the podcast is to find uh, other toxic males that contributed <laughs> to having their names on Michigan institutions. There you go. Fortunately, well, uh, U.S. history is full of toxic masculinity. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, imagine that. Huh. Yep. Well, on that note, I'm going to... um. I'm going to start some spaghetti for dinner. Um, So that wasn't planned, but. um. (laughs) Let me dangle this noodle down in there. (laughs) See how. how, We have a ninja uh, food processor in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and uh, we have leftover pizza. And I'm going to try to honor Alexa St. Martin. (laughs) No, you're not. I swear, if you send me any photos or videos of you eating ground up pizza, I'm going to find a new co-host. Oh, no, I wasn't going to eat it. We also have a turkey baster. I was going to. I'm out of here. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Drive safe, Texas, when you get home and don't let anyone noodle around with your side hole. Watch out for deer, especially if it's on chunks of silk screen, uh, silk string that someone's trying to dip in your belly button just to see what happens <laughs> basically if there's any takeaway from this episode uh don't let people dangle bits of food on a silk string inside of you and um the takeaway is uh <laughs> consent is sexy what's the what's the voicemail number angie 313-489-0739 or you can leave us a review, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts, because those are always fun to read. And you can also email us at greatlakesconfidential at gmail.com. Uh, leave a voicemail with your favorite smoothie recipe. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? You chose me. <laughs> this is on you. 
All right, that's fair. I'll accept responsibility. Thanks, Mike. There's a Guar song that I'm going to drop in to end this episode. Oh, good. Uh, that is very <laughs> fitting. All right. Seriously, you guys be safe out there. Watch for deer. Text us when you get home and tune in next time when we have something a little bit light, more lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heart. You want me to do some experiments on hearts? I can do that. Goodbye, Mike. Yeah, goodbye. Hey, can I can I drill this? Uh, I got like a a drill to for ice fishing. Can I can I <laughs> drill into your sternum and take a look at your heart? I got some experiments I want to do. I want to see Absolutely if people not. fall in love faster or slower if I stick chunks of venison in their heart canal. <laughs> Absolutely and, not. I hope someone names a hospital or five after me. Goodbye, Mike. Bye, Angie. Zoot the Rose Croissant. That episode was nauseating. I hope you were not listening during your lunch break. Uh-oh, there goes your poutine. <laughs> Maple syrup. Love that blue. Goodbye. Au revoir.